With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of Land Grant Holy Land. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, coming to you from Oakland, California. And I am joined, as always, by my buddy and co-host in New Albany, Ohio, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, what's going on, man? Um, I'm doing well. Had a had a good day at the gym today. Hooped on some uh, middle-aged mailmen, so that's always a good thing to do. And um, you know, had to humiliate them and establish my dominance in the gym once again, uh, as per usual. That's my my day job. Um, but ready to get on the on the mic and uh, talk about some really great coaching fashion choices and uh, some some other things adjacent to our podcast. Yeah, that's I'm first of all, I'm very glad to hear that you're doing humanity a service by breaking off old middle aged men on the basketball court. They definitely are the first that deserve to go. <laughs> um, but we got a lot to talk about here on the podcast before we get started. Uh, make sure to visit the podcast and other places you can check it out on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand. You can also follow us on Twitter at HolyLandPod. You can follow Patrick on Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. You can follow me on Twitter at DubsCo. And, of course, follow the site on Twitter at LandGrant33. And subscribe to the show by searching Hangout in the Holy Land on Apple Podcasts. And you can find this episode and all of the other episodes there. Most of today's show is going to be focused on Big Ten Media Days, which is going on literally right this second. Urban Meyer is doing his like secondary uh, interviews. I'm sure we'll hear from the players here in a little bit. Ohio State brought three players to Media Days in Chicago. Urban Meyer, of course, got to the podium today and spoke and not really what we want to kick it off with. I don't think anybody really wants to talk about this subject, just given the uh, the nature of it, but something that we have to kind of kick it off with in the breaking news that happened on Monday evening was that wide receivers coach Zach Smith was fired by the program. A um, couple of domestic incidents are the reason for this. He had a domestic order of civil protection filed against him on July 20th, and this was after his wife had previously filed a trespassing charge against him, and that warning was given on December 19, 2017. And going further back in the timeline, there was two separate incidents involving Smith in 2009 at Florida with Urban Meyer. He was arrested for aggravated battery on a pregnant victim being his wife. She was eight to 10 weeks pregnant at the time, decided not to press charges. And in 2015, there was an incident where he was arrested in October 26th on felony count of domestic violence and felonious assault on his wife. And the report indicated that she suffered unspecified injuries and quote, she had been a victim of sustained physical abuse by Smith and quote, he pled not guilty to that. So there's a really a lot of things to unpack with this, and we'll get into the, the, the football stuff uh, later on. But Meyer got up to the podium today and spoke about this and said that he was aware of the 2009 incident. It was something that him and his wife got involved with. I, I don't think at least by the time we're recording this, he didn't really elaborate on what that meant. And then said he got a text about the 2015 incident like last night and said that there was nothing and he 
couldn't really do anything about it. It was super weird. I didn't really understand that. But Meyer said, quote, I had to make the change in our coaching staff in the best interest of our team. And didn't really say or shed a lot more light onto the subject and everything going down with it. I'm not really sure what, what I feel about all this. I think it was the right move to fire Zach Smith. I also think that I, I'm not going to give Urban Meyer any credit for doing this. I, I think that we had kind of heard some whispers about things like this involving him, and I am definitely not surprised at all by any of this coming out. Um, but I, I think that they did the right thing, even if it was a bit late. But, uh, yeah, certainly no tolerance for that, especially given how Meyer and his staff talk about treating women. So, yeah, I, I think it just an odd situation all around and one that uh, that's unfortunate for the Smith family and Smith's wife. And, uh, you know, I certainly think that when we talk about domestic violence in professional sports and football, patterns come up. And there seems to be consistent patterns with what we know about domestic violence and Zach Smith. So, you know, I know that there are people out there that are going to say, well, he was never guilty. I, I, I say, screw that. You know, th these are sort of patterns that we see with this. So uh, I think he got what he deserved and certainly hope that uh, his ex-wife is, is doing well and, and doing better. Yeah, I thought, um, <clears throat> you know, like I, I agree that I, I don't think I'm really going to give Urban Meyer much credit here. And I know that people get mad at us when we criticize the coaching staff. Um, but his press conference and the answers that he gave were really bizarre on this, where he's, you know, he was saying that uh, he knew about the 2009 incident and that he didn't think the 2015 incident was a really big deal. That's not a very satisfying answer um, because, like, if he knew about that and he – how did he not think it was a big deal? Then <laughs> Zach Smith, you know, was – accused of you know you know battery of a pregnant woman that's that seems like something that maybe could be considered a big deal um but it, it was it, it's certainly something where like it, it feels like urban meyer fired him because people got mad at urban meyer for having him on the staff not because urban meyer was upset with the the allegations well and somebody asked that question about not specifically in that vein, but whether this had to do with things being public. And I was pretty shocked that he was like, yeah, that I'd be lying if I said that didn't have anything to do with it, which I've never heard any coach or anybody in this sort of position say something like that. Yeah, that sucks. So uh, <laughs> I, I thought that that was very transparent in a way, but also like kind of shitty yeah. where it was like, yeah, that kind of had something to do with it. And I know that there's – a side relationship there with Earl Bruce and how close Meyer was to him and Bruce being Zach Smith's god or grandfather and that that makes it tough but I I think with what they preach about this program and core values and treating women with respect and you know for the most part they've done a pretty good job you know I, I'm sure that there are certain things that we haven't heard about just like there are with any sort of major organization or especially when it comes to college sports and college football in general. But I think that they've done a pretty good job and I don't want to speak for you. I think that you and I aren't going to get on this podcast and say that Urban Meyer is a monster. He deserves to be fired. He's a terrible human, but I think that they kind of dropped the ball on this one and it's really unfortunate. And like we said, not really going to give them credit. They did the right thing. It was a little bit late, but I, I don't think that they deserve any praise for it. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, this is not like, you know, not going to be calling for Urban Meyer's job or anything. I think he made a mistake and, um, you know, it's it's media days. It is what it is. It's not an official statement or anything. It's, you know, him talking with, you know, answers that he doesn't really think of beforehand. And I, I think that, Certainly, that ref the, his answer reflects how he really feels, but I don't think that it's you know the worst thing that any coach has ever done to to for him to to say you know that he didn't think it was a huge deal because I mean we don't know all the details and they did fire him so it, it's not like they're keeping him on the staff or anything, um, but still kind of disheartening to hear. I will say um, on the Zach Smith front and him not being on the staff anymore that's not just a good thing because he was a bad guy 
Zach Smith not being on staff is not just good news because you're getting rid of a bad person from your staff. He was a bad coach. Um, and I think people kind of knew that, um, not to, not to kind of deflect and, and take it to something significantly less important, which is football. But Zach Smith was a bad coach and Ohio state improves in their coaching staff by not having him. Um, no matter what Urban Meyer says, the, the relationship with Earl Bruce did matter there, and I think it kept him on staff for significantly longer than he would have been had Earl Bruce not been his grandpa, and I think that's pretty pretty easy to say. Yeah, and I, I forgive me for not attributing this correctly, but I think it was last night somebody had said or reported that Meyer did the thing like he did with Tim Beck where he asked him to go <laughs> interview with other jobs, and I think he can kind of say what he wants about why that is. I don't know if anybody's going to ask him about that, but I, I think that that's be just because of that relationship with Earl Bruce and not wanting to fire him. But ultimately in the end, I, I think, you know, the, the guy got what he deserved and, you know, we all make mistakes and there are certain ones that are much bigger and much more severe than others. I, I think we're all in agreement that this is one of them. And, you know, there's really no tolerance for this sort of thing. So, you know, the coaching stuff to, to the side, it's just nice to not have somebody like that associated with something that I want to root for and kind of, you know, hold near and dear to my heart. And ultimately, in the end, I think my, my big point with this is that hopefully – this doesn't happen again involving Ohio State and the football team, but if it does, that it is handle, handled better by Meyer and the staff. And going up the board to, to Gene Smith and, you know, everybody else because this dude was arrested. And to just say that, like, nobody knew about that for such a public figure within the community, I find very hard to believe. So, uh, you know, when it comes to next time, no matter if it's this or anything else, just just do better. Yeah, the um, you, you mentioned the uh, Zach Smith being asked to, to interview elsewhere. Um, I found who, who reported that it was Jordan Strack of uh, WTOL in uh, Toledo. So credit to, to him on that. Um, but... It, it really is, you know, it's like the kind of thing with, you know, you, you mentioned it's it's hard to root for Ohio State when things like this are happening. And I, I've, I've written about it before in various articles, not as like a full thing, but I, I touched on it in my, um, my Paul Keels interview and different things about how um, there's no real way to <laughs> to watch and enjoy college football ethically because it's, you know, patently bad and it's founded on things that are bad. Um, so it's it's one of those things where, like, I really don't need Ohio State adding on extra reasons to, to feel really gross about supporting them. Because <laughs> it's, you know, they make it easy enough as it is by, you know, founding the entire sport on not paying players and various things like that and concussions and all that different stuff that we won't get into too deeply. Um, but I, I do... I do hope that whoever takes over for Zach Smith is um, on a bit better of a, a moral standing. And um, there have been some some candidates that we can we can touch on a little bit and get our thoughts out on. Um, I know that I, I don't know when the article is coming, but I know that at some point um, one of our coworkers is uh, putting something out on why Kenny Guyton should be the new wide receivers coach at Ohio State. He's currently at Houston in the same position. Um, I know a bunch of Buckeye fans have been calling for Brian Hartline, who was already on staff and was named the interim receivers coach. Um, I saw one person call for Chris Carter, which uh, don't do that. <laughs> don't hire Chris. No, Carter. Let, let's not um, do that. So uh, what if if it was up to you, who do you think of, you know, between Guyton and Hartline, who do you think would be your choice? Because I, I think the answer for me is very easy, knowing what I know about Brian Hartline and what I know about Kenny Guyton, I think. I think I'd take Smooth Jazz uh, 11 out of 10 times on that one, but a bunch of Buckeye fans seem to have their hearts set on Heartline. So uh, what, what do you think about the whole the whole situation with that? I got a real hot take on this. Go for it. Brian Heartline is my least favorite Ohio State yes. player of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Just an awful. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you why, and it goes back to one thing, and I don't even know if it's true. That 2008 season when Terrell Pryor replaced Todd Beckman, 
I don't even remember where I read this, but it stuck with me the whole time that one of the big issues on that team was Brian Hartline was in the middle shit-stirring about all that, being real upset that Pryor took over Beckman's job because they were really close. And I remember Beckman came back in in the Michigan game late and threw it. I think it was a touchdown to Brian Hartline. And ever since then, I just had a sour taste in my mouth about Brian Hartline. I don't really know anything else, much else about him, but that really pissed me off. I didn't like that. And, uh, yeah, he's he's my least favorite Ohio State player of all time. Him and uh, Corey Smith and Dontre Wilson, they're all out there for me. Oh, man, I like Dontre. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there are some – Jim Tressel, we won't get too much into it. Uh, there were some real rough characters in the Jim Tressel locker room, specifically on the offensive line around that time. And I think people kind of know who I'm referring to there. Um, but yo, people are going to hate this yeah, podcast. Yeah. This one's going to be rough. <laughs> gonna get in trouble. But here's the thing. I, I don't know how good of a coach Brian Hartline is. I like personally, I just don't like, like him. Years. <laughs> yeah. So like, he may be a really good wide receivers coach. Uh, Meyer was at his, that secondary media availability just now saying, quote, he's got the potential to be an excellent coach End quote. So, you know, maybe he's, a very good coach. I'm with you. I would much rather have Kenny Guyton, who already has experience, you know, with Meyer, with the program, with the type of player Ohio State is looking for right now. And he's worked under Tom Herman. He has that experience. I think he was briefly at Texas, so he's got that experience as well. He has those Texas ties. Ohio State has been really interested and has a lot of irons in the fire in Texas. We've seen that with Garrett Wilson, who basically reiterated his commitment to Ohio State yesterday after all of the Zach Smith news. And if we know anything about Texas, not only talented players, but very talented wide receivers. So I think that those relationships could be very beneficial when it comes to Kenny Guyton. But it certainly seems like, at least for this season, that uh, Brian Hartline is going to be the move for them. Yeah, and just to, to kind of illustrate where we're coming from so people don't just think that we're defaming um, <laughs> Brian Hartline for no reason, I've got a quote here from uh, an ESPN article a couple years ago when the Browns signed uh, Terrell Pryor for, uh, to, to take over as receiver. Um, Brian Hartline called him a flash in the pan, uh, you know, referring to him starting to play receiver after years as quarterback. Um, and then he said in a direct quote, uh, you're trying to tell me a guy that had suspect personality characteristics. I'm going to go ahead and hand you a bunch of money. Then you're going to work harder. Um, so <laughs> Brian Hartline questioned Terrell Pryor's work ethic, uh, said he was a flash in the pan. Terrell Pryor is still in the NFL as a wide receiver. Brian Hartline is uh, an assistant wide receivers coach. Yeah, the Brian Hartline <laughs> haters have logged on, folks. Yeah. This is the official podcast of not liking Brian Hartline. But, you know, I, I would find it hard to believe that he would be worse than Zach Smith. It would take a lot, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to, I always, every once in a while, I like to think about how Mike Thomas is so good at receiver despite getting the coaching that, uh, that he got. And I feel sorry for dudes like Jalen Marshall and Braxton Miller and, and Corey Smith and Dontre Wilson because they probably should have had better careers. I'm a, I'm a Dontre Wilson truther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you're not alone. You are not alone on that one. But that'll be interesting to, uh, to kind of see how, how this shakes out because it is a very important piece to what Ohio State is doing right now. And what we talked about on the last episode, they are selling much more to – offensive recruits wide receivers specifically that this offense is shifting and it's not just going to be the running backs and a QB battering ram back there that not only are they going to get catches and opportunities but they're going to be able to send them to the league so that that's something that's really important when you're talking about high level receiver recruits and we'll see what shakes out here yeah, it'll, you know, I, I think having a new receivers coach certainly is not bad news by any means. Uh, hopefully it's smooth jazz, our boy, bring him home. Um, if not, we will support the choice, um, even if we dislike it. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's let's talk about some, some coach outfits here. I, I, we've got some fashion review to do, and surely this will be the our worst crime against our listeners yet, talking about a photograph in, a, in an audio medium. <laughs> 
this is gonna be terrible we will we'll try to link the picture i don't know if you can do that in the podcast post or we'll post it on the twitter or something uh or retweet it so that people can see what we're talking about but uh so there's this picture from uh 11 warriors uh writer slash photographer andrew lind of the big 10 coaches uh sitting after media days i guess after their press conferences and they're all in their little suits and uh it's just awful just <laughs> just an awful picture of these men who do not know how to wear suits uh and they look extremely uncomfortable um i i think probably one of the worst images i've ever seen <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> And I'm trying to – there's 14 coaches in here, and we talked about this beforehand. Only two look good. And I don't know. We didn't we didn't discuss beforehand which ones, but out of all 14, the only two that look like they have even a clue of what they're doing. James Franklin. James Franklin looks, looks awesome. spectacular. Yeah. He looks very good. I can see why recruits like him so much. He looks great. <laughs> P.J. Fleck. I don't know if you yeah. agree, but P.J. Fleck – Looks like, I mean, PJ Fleck looks like he has a suit. He has like 200 suits. PJ Fleck doesn't wear the same suit twice. He's like Deion Sanders <laughs> in that regard. But literally everybody else, like Scott Frost doesn't even look like he's wearing a tie. He's not. I think um, I, I, I haven't reached out for, for comment on this to you yet. I think Lovey Smith looks pretty good too. I, I think Lovey Smith pulls off the, the old man gray beard pretty well. Um, I, I think that he looks, I think he looks decent. But everyone else is just a complete mess. <laughs> I have a very hot take about Pat Fitzgerald. I may have said it on the podcast before, but like I, I don't have anything against Pat Fitzgerald, but he kind of looks like he stinks. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks like a G.I. Joe action figure. Just a very stiff man. <laughs> you would just get around Pat Fitzgerald and like 24-7, he just smells like, like a three-day-old sandwich. <laughs> I think um, so. the The entire back row of this image, save for Fleck and Lovey Smith, is um, there's a lot going on in it. Uh, Wisconsin's biggest adult boy, Paul Christ, suit. He's super on brand. His suit is, I think, roughly three sizes too large. It looks like <laughs> it's just dangling there. He looks like he had a long night at the Marriott the night before. Yeah, it's like he's going to loosen the tie as soon as the picture is, is taken and, you know, walk off and start coaching linemen that are somehow there. Um, it, And then directly in front of him um, is Indiana coach Tom Allen, whose name I keep forgetting. Uh, well, I wonder why that is. And he's got his eyes completely closed, and he looks um, almost despondent. It's like a mixture of despondent and completely belligerent. Um, it's the same thing with DJ Durkin, just eyes closed. Um, <laughs> Chris Ash is like, doesn't know how to smile. Mark D'Antonio looks angry. Um, it, it's really just an upsetting image. <laughs> you know what I think of when I see Tom Allen? Who was the coach? Um, Joe Philbin for the Dolphins. They did that Hard Knocks special on them like three years ago. And the first episode, my dad saw him for the first time, and he was like, "This guy's gonna get fired within like a year and a half." <laughs> you can sometimes when you look at a coach, you can just tell. And Tom Allen has that look where it's like, if this dude were coaching my team, I would be so scared and so worried about, especially in 2018 with recruiting. Like, this dude looks like he would just get in the living room and have zero idea what to talk about. Like, he looks like the principal at an elementary school that's failing. <laughs> <laughs> and that that goes to Chris Ash, who like I think are near and dear to all of our hearts. But whenever I look at Chris Ash, he always has a look on his face like he might have left the stove on. Like there's some sort of existential crisis going on behind yeah, his eyes. That's just what happens when you go to Rutgers. <laughs> that may be it, to be honest. Uh, I love that uh, Mark. <laughs> I love that Mark's legs are spread so far apart that you can't see the other one. It's cut off because of how, how wide he was spreading his legs to establish dominance over Chris Ash. He's, yeah, Chris Ash is smushed in between <laughs> Urban Meyer and Mark D'Antonio. And Chris Ash just, is like, not a small man. <laughs> and they, and they had, like D'Antonio kind of has that look on his face where he's just like, welcome to the Big Ten East, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I like... It's funny that you know you can almost tell which of the coaches just from this image are good at coaching, <laughs> which ones are bad at coaching. 
Because, like, you know, we, we touched on, uh, you know, how good James Franklin looks. He looks very confident, looks like he knows what he's doing. Jim Harbaugh looks like shit, but he's still confident about it. Like, his suit's all fucked up, but he's, he doesn't care. He's so trash, It's man. bad. Like, I, I know we're Ohio State He's got, fans, like, a khaki color on suit him. on. He is such a herb. <laughs> like, and even, this isn't just the Michigan thing, but even dating back to the 49ers and Stanford, like, he's just a chump. There's nothing about him that's likable. And I think even for Michigan fans, like, even they kind of admit, like, this dude is such an unlikable human. I don't know how they can, yeah, I don't know how they pretend that they like him. It's bizarre to me because he's not, like, he's not particularly funny or interesting. He's just, like, his whole personality is disliking things. (laughs) I, I don't know. I don't get it. It's, like, he's just... He's just gross. He's gross to look at. <laughs> I like uh, one of the one of my favorite parts of this image is that um, it, it's hard to tell, but Urban Meyer, one of his suit pants legs is rolled up and the other one isn't. <laughs> so I'm not sure what was going on there, um, but that, that's probably enough coach suit image talk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, long story short, you should look at this picture. Yeah, please, God, look at this photograph. <laughs> For as much as the Big Ten is improving in coaching and coaching hires, the coaches certainly do not know how to dress. And last thing, as somebody that likes to skirt societal norms when it comes to dressing, I very much appreciate DJ uh, Durkin going with the <laughs> the ever-classic sneakers with the suit look. I, I appreciate his DJ, DGAF uh, attitude on that one. I um, we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit. So I went to Big 12 Media Days last week, and I, I talked to the two uh, worst, the the two coaches of the two worst teams in the league, in uh, Matt Rule and David Beatty, which is as on brand for me as possible. And I tried to to do the sneakers uh, with a suit look because I figured that I was young enough to pull it off but I, I couldn't I couldn't do it and I had to switch into dress shoes it was very disappointing yeah it's a, it's a tough look to pull off and I think like in Durkin's case he looks like he just doesn't care he's just like I'm here for the day get me out of here get me away from all of these guys get me away from Lovey Smith Certainly get me away from Chris Ash. Get me away from Jim Harbaugh for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Rough picture. But how was Big 12 Media Days now that now that you mentioned it? Because you were out there asking the hard-hitting questions about Kansas football. It was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It, it made me feel like real media, which is uh, weird for me. Because <laughs> like I'm, I usually just spend most of my time getting like emotional about Ohio State basketball or something. Which, by the way, I wrote a piece about um, the basketball tournament and uh, Ohio State's team and that and uh, the, the connection to the current team. And that's up on our website right now. So go check that out at uh, landgrantholyland.com. But um, it was a good time. You know, I, I got to, I talked to David Beatty about recruiting. I talked to Matt Rule about the new red shirt rule. Um, got to talk to the players at the breakout session, which was significantly more fun because players are way better at talking uh, and have much more interesting answers than coaches do. Uh, but yeah, it was a good time. Dallas is still super hot in the summer, so that wasn't great. But it was at the um, it was at the Cowboys home facility, the Star, and uh, it was it was a really cool, it was a really cool events, a really cool area, and it was um, it was a good time for sure. I, I think I'll definitely hope to go back next year if I'm invited back. <laughs> Getting back to kind of Big Ten media days and Urban Meyer and his press conference, some other stuff that was notable about what he said is was asked a little bit about Dwayne Haskins and the void in leadership about JT Barrett and talked about the QB competition. And something that was interesting to me was he said, if if we took the first snap today, Dwayne would be the quarterback. But in 30 days, a lot happens in 30 days. I'm still team Urban Meyer is completely lying to everybody. He's full of shit. (laughs) And just doesn't want to tell. Gee, I I just think he doesn't want to gas Dwayne Haskins up. And I, I think that there's a grain of truth into it that, Tate Martell is probably playing really well and that's propping him up as well as, you know, keeping Haskins, you know, feeling like somebody's nipping at his heels. But if Burrow transferring wasn't enough to kind of just like say to all of us, yeah, this is, this is what's going down. Certainly it's not, it's not going to happen at this point, but I think it's encouraging 
that for the QB situation as a whole that he's even still alluding to it in that nature because I think if Martell wasn't playing well, we would hear that. Yeah, I'm sure that you know Urban Meyer loves to uh, to talk about when players need to be doing better and trying to motivate them and things like that. So um, I, I'm sure that Tate is playing better than he was um, in the in the spring, and we saw him at the spring game, and we were not particularly impressed. Um, one of the other things related to quarterbacks that Urban Meyer mentioned is that freshman Matthew Baldwin is up 20 pounds. Uh, so I will say we love our thick quarterbacks. Uh, we love our curvy quarterbacks, all of them. They're all curvy, and we love them all. <laughs> yeah, strong agree. We've seen it with uh, Cardale, now Haskins, JT Barrett a little bit, and now Braxton there. Miller. Braxton Miller had a butt too. If you don't remember those <laughs> training, those training days episodes, where I th- it was either it was definitely Meyer where he would be like, "How's your butt doing? You gain a little pounds in your butt." And he Braxton would always get uncomfortable and be like, "Coach, keep talking about my butt, man." Football coaches <laughs> are the weirdest people on earth. <laughs> so yeah, definitely go back to training days and, and check that out. Urban Meyer secretly uh, very in love with the thick quarterback. Yeah, I mean, who? How could you not be? Absolutely. I mean, it's the best part of college football is the thick quarterbacks. <laughs> I don't think there's anything really else offensively to talk about. We talked about wide receiver, uh, the coaching with quarterbacks now. Matthew Baldwin is progressing in his ACL injury. Meyer said that receivers love him. Um, some other little tidbits from his breakout session. He said that Tough Borland is, quote, doing great and not really a, a timetable on that other than he expects him to be able to perform come – the fall, he's not going to be ready for week one, or he anticipates that he won't be ready for week one, but he'll be good to go at some point during the season. I thought it was funny how he talked about his pain threshold being similar to JT Barrett's, but will definitely be nice to see Tough Borland back out there. But I'm excited to see what the linebackers can do without him for those first couple of weeks because, honestly, they don't need him against Oregon <laughs> State and Rutgers. I, I think that the healthier they are, into that TCU game, the better. And if he's ready to go by then uh, against what should be uh, a pretty interesting and diverse offense, definitely different from what Ohio State is used to seeing, then uh, I don't I don't think they need him for the first couple of weeks. Yeah, and speaking of Ohio State's linebackers, uh, there's a um, people, if they haven't yet, they should go read Bill Connolly's uh, awesome preview of Ohio State where you know, he previews every team in the country. He got to Ohio State, I think, a couple weeks ago. We didn't touch on it in the last podcast um and linebacker is pretty much the only position that he says might be in trouble for ohio state and the rest of the team as uh buckeye fans certainly know is loaded and um i think that that you know even if tough boyland is back i'm a little concerned about the linebackers they're they're really young um you know if dante booker we don't really know what's going on with him we don't really know what the situation is so it could be you know malik harrison is the oldest linebacker of the bunch and that's a little scary just because Malik was uh, inconsistent at times last year, specifically in like the Oklahoma game and the Iowa game. Um, so it, it's definitely, you know, I think the biggest question mark on the team and uh, having tough back would be helpful because he was he was good last year when he played. He wasn't great against the pass, but he was really good against the run. And I think that that's what they need in a middle linebacker. So hopefully he is improving quickly and back to healthy uh, when Ohio State takes on TCU in week three. Yeah, and the one thing with the linebackers that makes me feel better about their inexperience is, you know, even with Jerome Baker's pedigree, those dudes were bad last year, Yeah, especially in big moments. They were super bad in the Oklahoma game. And they've, I mean, the Iowa game, I don't think we need to rehash how bad they were in that game. Like even basic play action concepts, they just got eaten alive on and i don't know how much of that is the coaching which now is bill davis still linebacker yep. coach here yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. now, now that zach smith is gone bill davis you are public enemy number one <laughs> my friend yeah and then you got greg stadrawa probably number two i would say so still got some some real stinkers on staff <laughs> a dude that we haven't talked much about in I think has kind of flown under the radar is Baron Browning. I love I think him. He's awesome. Is is poised to take a huge jump this year. And with Borland's injury, I think a lot more will be put on his plate. And I like that this schedule is so light in the first two weeks because I think they can try some different things 
and get used to having these young guys out on the field. I know with this new redshirt rule, we're going to see even more of these young players on the field because they won't have to worry about burning those red shirts. So I expect to see a lot of young defenders out on the field for those first couple of weeks, especially at linebacker. And I think that if there's one guy on the defense that you can look to to be a breakout star, I think it's going to be Baron Browning. Yeah, and I think you know Urban touched on in his press conference that he likes the new uh, redshirt rule and you know, mentioned that it's good for the players. So he definitely knows how to appeal to us specifically and the things to say in his press conference uh, when it comes to players' rights and different things like that. Um, but with so many talented young players on this roster, um, I, I do think that it could be kind of a youth movement on defense at different times, especially in the, the back seven. The line is pretty set. But, um, you know, a bunch of really talented defensive backs. Um, you know, you, you got guys like Josh Proctor in the defensive backfield that could step up at safety. Um, you know, you mentioned Baron Browning, one of my favorite players on this team, who was he was just awesome when he played last year at you know 18, 19 years old. And it's hard to imagine him getting much better, but there's so much more room for him to grow. Um, and I think that you know, last year we saw at sometimes, especially in like garbage time, when Ohio State would bring in a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. The defense looked really, really good. Uh, I, I think it was against Illinois specifically. He brought in the, you know, he brought in Browning and Jeffrey Okuda and all those guys, and they looked awesome. Uh, they, you know, they played really, really well together, and they uh, just fly to the ball. I think we touched on it in a recap podcast last year how fast they all are. Um, so it would be, I would certainly welcome more of that this year, even in the starting lineup. And uh, while that might lead to some you know, occasional mistakes and lapses, I do think it would be better for the defense in the long term and could lead to a really, really good defense next season. Uh, another dude talking about uh, corner play and defensive back play, Sean Wade yeah. is a kid who redshirted last year and was one of the more impressive defensive back recruits I've seen in, in quite some time. And if, by all indications, he had a really good spring. It looks like he's healthy and ready to go. And I would not be shocked if he just like comes out week one and he is the starter. Or by that TCU game, he makes a couple plays against really good competition and doesn't give up that spot for the rest of the year. I will say um, this cornerback group I think is a bit underrated um, just because, you know, like – uh, coming from what Ohio State has come from the past couple years, it's easy to, to say that there's not a defined star. Um, I think that all four of the guys who are going to see significant playing time in, you know, Okuda, uh, Sheffield, Arnett, and Wade, I think all four of them are going to be awesome. I, I've talked myself into it. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, Damon Arnett and Jeffrey Okuda can both be number one cornerback type guys. And uh, I imagine Kendall Sheffield probably will cover the slot most of the time because he's not really all that big, but he's really fast. And then um, Sean Wade is just from his, you know, his high school highlight tape and, you know, reports from practice, he is mean. <laughs> he's a, you know, a big hitting corner, about as, as big of a hitter you're going to get at the position and just locked down. So really looking forward to watching that group. And, you know, I, I think that we saw it last year in the, you know, in the national championship that Alabama and Georgia both had like 20 some freshmen on the field and they were really, really fun to watch. And, I think that we're at a point in college football where young guys really don't aren't that different from the you know the experienced guys, and you could you can play well and have a great team, even with a young defense. And I think that that might be kind of what Ohio State's going for this year. Any other big media day takeaways from Ohio State? Um, just kind of a a, a PSA. Uh, don't read in too heavily to anything from media days because it's you know it's just like a fun get together where the coaches can see each other and uh you know media can pal around and different things like that it's really it's not that serious uh <laughs> so like um you know when a coach says that he thinks the playoff should expand to eight or 16 or whatever uh, he's just saying that because he can it's not actually going to happen different things like that um so just don't take it all too seriously don't get too high or too low from anything that any coaches say i think yeah that's a that's a really good takeaway even maybe more so than like spring game takeaways yeah. don't take big spring 10 media game days. also does not matter <laughs> paris campbell draymond jones isaiah prince taking the trip they haven't really spoken yet but i forgot about draymond jones him coming back for his senior season it's huge 
is going to be really huge. He is maybe the most underrated player on the defense. I think he's not in the same role as Jalen Holmes, at least when it comes to X's and O's, but he is going to be that type of player this year where even if he's not making a tackle for loss or making a sack, he is making the play to free up the guy that is making the tackle for loss or a sack. I think he's going to have a monster year. He's going to be a first-round pick next year. And uh, I'm excited to see what he says during media days because he's not a guy that, that gets a lot of praise, but he is a stud and I think is going to have a monster year. Yeah, I, I think that um, we are in agreement on this podcast that uh, interior defensive linemen are significantly underappreciated. And Ohio State has some real good ones this year. And Draymond Jones. We and, like our beautiful big yeah, boys. Yeah, we just we love big football players. <laughs> but, you know, Draymond Jones uh big bob landers you've there's a there's a lot of talent up front and it's not just on the on the ends so i think draymond jones is certainly going to be a really fun one to watch i remember reading his um his announcement that he was coming back last year or not last year but in the spring uh while i was at an ohio state basketball game and it was really confusingly worded i can't remember exactly what he said but he was like he he said that he had um, announced that he was foregoing leaving for the NFL and that he'd be coming back, and it was just um it it was a really strange announcement. But regardless, uh, it's it's nice to have him back, and um, I think he could be one of the most important parts of this defense. And uh, you also mentioned Paris Campbell and Isaiah Prince uh, being at media days as well, and I I think that that's. You know, not just because you know we we already knew that they were going to be leaders, but I, I think it's really nice to see those guys stepped up and um, you know have have really figured it out. Because I remember both of them early on in their careers really struggling to to kind of get it and to kind of catch on. Uh, specifically, Isaiah Prince was just mercifully uh, picked on in I think it was 2016. Yeah. Um. So I'm. I'm Penn State game. Yeah. Just just brutal. Um. You know, he was the. Uh, I can't remember who came before him, but he was the um, – it was Daryl something. I can't remember his last name. but uh, Daryl Baldwin? That sounds right. I think it was Daryl Baldwin in 2015. So Isaiah Prince was that in 2016, and I'm really happy to see that he has uh, – he's stepped up and, and really become a leader on this team. And um, I, I think that we'll we'll leave it with uh, you know, saying that Ohio State has some really, really likable players – on this team and some some really good guys and I think that that's a you know a testament to what Urban Meyer has built here um so it's uh, you know it's good to see those guys there representing the team and I don't think that there are you know better options to represent Ohio State than those three yeah and as we say this Urban Meyer talking about Draymond Jones says quote I can assure you he's not coming out now in regards to playing in the Rushman package so Draymond Jones <laughs> going to see the field a lot hopefully one of one of you cowards asks urban meyer or paris campbell if he's going to be the full-time kick returner this year we're not this this podcast Put his feet is to the fire already for another season of mike weber returning kicks especially when paris campbell's averaging like 38 yards per return yeah mike weber not mike weber that. deserves better than that don't make him do that we all we all deserve better <laughs> than that i don't know if i'd say that yeah it's, this podcast doesn't deserve better. <laughs> yeah, no, we spent 10 minutes talking about coach suits. I think we deserve exactly what we get. <laughs> I am in complete agreement. Do you have anything else here before we wrap up? I don't think so. Just go go read the uh, the basketball tournament piece that I wrote. I've got a um, a really long piece. It's, uh, it's a third of the way done, and it's 3,000 words right now. So uh, I've got that coming out in the coming weeks. So be on the lookout for that as well. We'll certainly plug that on here. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug? Yeah. Um, the Jets just released Devin Smith a couple days ago, unfortunate after a couple of ACL injuries. But I just put out a long Devin Smith highlight tape on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Colton Denning. Check it out. A lot of fun highlights there. That's a good watch right there. Also put out like 20 minutes of Carlos Hyde highlights, oh, yeah. which is always fun. And by the time this comes out tomorrow, 33 minutes of Braxton Miller running. 2013 Ohio State was extremely fun. I, I think that, you know, it, it's easy to forget, but that offense was just wild at times. You know, you, you had Devin Smith going up for like that one-handed catch against Miami. Uh, Carlos Hyde and that play against Iowa stands out specifically. That offense was just crazy at times. And, you know, Tom Herman... 
uh, we certainly miss him <laughs> running the offense. For as much struggle as they had passing some of the time, that was, I, I don't think we'll see just like a better raw Ohio State offense ever. That They were like Oregon that year. They looked like a Chip Kelly Oregon team. The only team that ran for more yards that season, I think, was Auburn, and they played in the national title game but Ohio State had like a higher yards per carry. They ran for as many yards as like Army did that season, which like It's wild. <laughs> when you when you're running for as many yards as option teams are and for like higher at higher clips, it's amazing. They were I'm pulling it up right now. They yeah, they ran for 4321 yards and 45 touchdowns that season. And they did it on 6.80 yards per attempt highest in the country (laughs) wisconsin was second with 6.6 so they were full 0.2 yards higher than literally any other team in the country running the ball that year it was a shame that that defense man super terrible super terrible (laughs) pit pit brown i'm looking at you baby yeah that was the uh that was the bradley roby defense wasn't it yeah brad Bradley Roby and uh, Jared Aberderis. They God. had they had some interactions that season. God. Man, that was yeah, that was a that there's like a uh, we've we've talked about this before and this is this podcast is going to go 3 hours long if we talk about it for too long. But there's like a strange twilight zone feeling around like the 2012 and 2013 seasons where it really doesn't feel like they happened. <laughs> it was just such a weird time of Ohio State football where like they couldn't really they couldn't really pass the ball at all. <laughs> just kind of ran every play, and their defense was really bad, and they had a fullback playing linebacker. Just strange. Yeah, and like Ryan Shazier was the dude for that for that defense, and you look back, Joey Bosa in his freshman year was really the only defensive lineman, I think, that could like generate a ton of pressure, and he was a true freshman. And then in the secondary, there, there was Roby, but – we saw all season, you know, he really struggled at times, and their safety play was super terrible. And I remember everybody that whole season was like, why isn't Von Bell playing safety more? Like, why is Von Bell not starting? These dudes are getting roasted. And then they finally put him in in, uh, in the Orange Bowl, and he made that interception on Taj Boyd on the goal line where he made that incredible play where Boyd tried to, like, loft the floater over his head. And everybody was like, wow, this probably cost us a chance at the national championship. And I think you and I are pretty, like, realistic on this podcast. I think if Urban Meyer has a month and a half to prepare for Jimbo Fisher, they probably win the national yeah. championship. That yeah, year. probably. And the, the thing is, is, they didn't deserve it, and they won the next year, so it all worked out. But, like, if you, th- if you really think about it, Urban Meyer got that job. They went 12-0. and you know who if they play Wisconsin in the Big 12 title or Big 10 title game they probably beat him again and they certainly would have wiped the floor with that Notre Dame that team Notre Dame in team the national stunk. championship yeah, game they were bad and then in 2013 they were a game away from playing for the national championship in 2014 they won the national championship in 2015 they just had one one bad half of play and you know a missed field goal away from playing for the national championship being in the playoff 2016 made the playoff one game away from the national championship and then last last year was literally the furthest they have been for playing for the national championship with urban meyer and they finished fifth in that final playoff voting so like just a reminder of where we're at right now and how blessed we are as ohio state fans. yeah and uh last last thing just as a suggestion for for people listening to fill the time between now and when football starts again uh go watch any ryan shazier game from that 2013 season he was unbelievable uh the you know i I remember against the in the indiana game he had 20 tackles uh he had 144 on the year just one of the best seasons from an ohio state defender ever um and people don't talk about that nearly enough he was unbelievable that defense gave up like 45 to illinois they were disgusting <laughs> i hated i hated them so much just I, just we awful try, we try to not pile on the kids here but like now that they're all graduated that defense sucked i hated all those dudes except for like two of them. who was um the defensive coordinator was the one that got kind of pushed away to an fcs job wasn't it i can't remember his name Everett yeah Withers. that's it yeah yeah, that makes sense. 
man we i i hope that we're bringing back a lot of repressed yeah memories sorry about this y'all <laughs> god let's let's check the game log for that team yeah 40 man they gave up 41 to that michigan team 35 to illinois 30 to Northwestern. That game sucked. That game was miserable. That was the game where they scored on like the last play to make it look respectable. <laughs> that they should have lost that game. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. And that that was the game where Northwestern was like 5 and 0 and they had game day there and that seemed like a really big win and then I think Northwestern lost like yeah. almost yeah, we, all we, we of the rest them. of their games that season. They were a terrible team. They finished that. 5 and 7. That game <laughs> They were 5 and 0 and they finished 5 and 7. <laughs> Oh man, that's brutal. <laughs> what a season. They made and they made Connor Cook look like he was Dan Marino in that Big Ten championship game. Keith Mumphrey just running up the seam on him. God, just disgusting. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> Sammy Sammy Watkins did did some really terrible things to Duran Grant in that Orange Bowl too. That was the moment where I was just like, okay, like this defense does not have it. They do not have the juice. Yeah, brutal. Oh man, that was when they used to say juice all the time too. I had forgotten about that too. Yeah, Howard Island, baby. Taj Boyd, uh, 31 of 40, 77% completion percentage, 378 yards, five touchdowns, uh, 20 rushing attempts, 127 yards, one touchdown. That, yeah, that... <laughs> Sammy Watkins had 16 receptions. We, uh, we might have to go back and watch that game at some point because it was terrible. Miller, like in this highlight video, it, like a, the play where he on that touchdown run where he stutter steps and hurts his shoulder, he played through that the whole game, and they just keep running him into the ground, and then he threw that touchdown pass to Carlos Hyde and just got absolutely crunched. And I remember – him throwing the interception to end the game and people were just dogging and it was like dude this guy is literally playing on one arm right now and the coaches were just like nope keep throwing bro are you saying that ohio state ohio state coaches running a quarterback into the ground no way never never <laughs> that's a good place for us to wrap this up like 15 minutes way too late reminiscing about the 2013 season we uh we hope that you've enjoyed this episode and plan to stick around for the podcast we did pretty good numbers for the last one i was that'll I was change shocked <laughs> at that we'll see if we get to four digits on this bad boy but if you're interested in listening to the show and following the show be sure to send us a tweet at holy land pod if it's negative we will block your ass and not respond uh you can also follow me and patrick on twitter at patrick underscore mayhorn and i am at dubs co follow the site land grant 33 and subscribe to the show by going to soundcloud.com slash land grant holy land and leaving a review and subscribing on apple Podcasts just by searching hangout in the holy land there until next time though we promise to deliver better content i don't on the promise next episode. that no, <laughs> you can't hold you can't hold us to that we will uh we'll work at being better we'll work at being one percent better each day i'm on my pj flex shit but until next time for patrick mayhorn i'm colton denning and this has been the hangout in the holy land <laughs>